I enjoy talking a bit of college football because, like, no disrespect to the other guys, but um, they don't really follow it as much. The drop back with Sam Lewis, Matt Burns Peak, Joe Costanzo, and Sam Wilson. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Dropback Podcast. We've got a bit of a different episode lined up for you today. Instead of the normal foursome of awesome hosts, we've got a different member of the Dropback team joining me today to preview and uh, explain a little bit about his new college football show, Any Given Saturday. It's Alex Voice Joyce. Hi, Stan. Thanks for inviting me on here. No worries. It's um, it's awesome to see the content you've we started to produce. Obviously, with Carter Bryant coming on last last week for last week's show. Yes. Give us just a little brief rundown of the show itself, the idea the idea behind it, and um, what we can expect in the future. Okay. So yeah, any given Saturday is an idea that I've had for a little while now. Uh, I've sort of wanted to start doing YouTube content, and. It's. I mean, I'm a big LSU fan, but it sort of goes. I want it to go beyond just being purely LSU based. I just love college football in general, like the whole ecosystem of it, the the stories, the fan bases, uh, the rivalries, and so essentially, the focus of any given Saturday is going to be that I'll be uh, really just trying to hear from anyone from any particular um, sort of part of um, America uh, and their associations or involvement with college football. Um, so Carter Bryant is someone I've got to know um, quite a bit recently. I, I watch his, his channel Power Hour LSU all the time. He's always doing kind of daily videos. He's always got live streams. And, um, you know, I was, I was also kind of getting to know him. I was fascinated sort of hearing about uh, kind of his work in sports media and um he's just you know he's a really good guy to sort of you know get behind a microphone and talk and you know he's very charismatic but um yeah so the idea sort of moving forward is that any given saturday i'm going to try and interview um one guest a week uh, and essentially yeah it's going to be just people all over america all, you know all sorts of different conferences teams fan bases sort of affiliations um I want to hear from ex-players, coaches, sort of people who work behind the scenes at programs as well, um, sort of recruiting experts, because that's something that really fascinates me is college football recruiting. And sort of as we were saying before we started the show, um, sort of the way that that landscape is changing and mm -hmm. constantly sort of adapting and evolving. So, um, yeah, so that's sort of the quick summary of, of any given Saturday. Yeah, it's really awesome because... NFL media in the UK it's, it's starting to grow and take off a little bit you've got loads of podcasts on it but it does seem like the college football market itself is very untapped from a UK perspective so it's it's amazing to see you bring in like American guests not just other British pundits American guests over to like a UK audience and having having yourself as sort of like the medium between the two is it's awesome and I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing more more um, more episodes in the future Alex definitely thank you very much yeah, and I just, um, as you said, like NFL is is so big in the UK and it's yeah. constantly growing and, and the rest of Europe, but college football sort of seems to be lagging a little bit behind. Mm. Um, I don't know if that's maybe because a lot of people are still kind of getting into the NFL and maybe they don't quite understand college football yet or maybe they're just not as interested. But um, 
but I think if they did give it a shot, that it, it's sort of a, a world that you can really immerse yourself in. There's so many more games as well, more teams to root for, and um, just sort of, you know, you don't even need to sort of be kind of affiliated or linked, yeah, you know, with a particular yeah. university. I mean, you know, you're a Michigan fan. I'm an LSU fan. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't been to Louisiana yet. I don't think you've been to Michigan <laughs> yet. So, <laughs> but, uh, you know, you just, you know, maybe a, a team takes, you know, your kind of fancy um, and I'll go into sort of my background as to why I started supporting LSU in a bit. But um, yeah, and it's just something that I really want to see, um, you know, being given more of a spotlight in the UK and, uh you know, it'd be brilliant if, because there's such big games out there in, in college football. And it'd be amazing if, you know, you could go into a bar or, or something like that in the UK, as well as, you know, you see sort of on a Sunday and go to places and, and watch NFL games. It'd be amazing, you know, on a Saturday night to, you know, potentially be able to go into a bar or something like that and watch, you know, an Alabama against LSU or an Ohio State against Michigan. That would be the dream. I mean, I don't know if I'd want to watch. Ohio State versus Michigan with anyone else, <laughs> just out of sheer embarrassment at this um, <laughs> this stage in the rivalry. But yeah, it would be awesome. Another thing that strikes me is the fact that um, England, our national team, they'll they'll sell out a Wembley Stadium of about eighty odd thousand people, like for friendlies and stuff. But yeah. you look at the college football games, the big house, Michigan, that's north of one hundred ten thousand people every yeah. Saturday, and the atmosphere is is nothing like. English football it is like especially the night games it's absolutely electric yeah and people over here have no idea about it the fact that yeah the big house is the biggest sta- biggest stadium outside of um the one in Pyongyang in North Korea yes all of the college football stadiums like de- like both death valleys uh, yeah it's it's ridiculous it's... how big they are how many fans they pack out and yet no one over here really has a clue about this the, the impact that it has on yeah, just college life and the impact of those towns like Ann Arbor, like Baton Rouge. Yeah, yeah, no, exactly. And it's sort of, it's, it's college football really is, is the lifeblood of, you know, as you said, these college towns, yeah. um, you know, they live and die for it. The whole kind of, you know, 365 days of the year. It's, um, it's really an amazing thing to sort of wrap your mind around. And once mm. you start to get interested in it, you know, it's just kind of going further and further down the rabbit hole with it. And just, it's, you know, it's just constantly learning and finding out, you know, such incredible information um, about these universities, their rivalries, the traditions, and just how mad people go for it in the States. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah. It's so fascinating. <laughs> yeah. Another thing that interests me just across football, like American football in general, is the way that people come across their teams. Because none of us really have stories of, oh, yeah. My dad's from such and such city. That's why I support this team. We've all got a unique story as to how we came across our team. So what's your story with um, the LSU Tigers? Okay, well, it it actually starts with the New Orleans Saints. Right. Oh, God. Since 2015, I think it was. um, I sort of... And I I presume this is sort of how other people... NFL fans in the UK kind of got started by playing like Madden and stuff like that. Yeah. You know, yeah. It's always, oh, you know, it's embarrassing, they like the team on that. Yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, I started off as, as a Saints fan. I just kind of loved the colors and the idea and just hearing about how passionate the fan base was. And, you know, my, my passion for the NFL was just growing. I just wanted more football content as well. And, because it does feel like the NFL season is very 
condensed in comparison to the college se- college football season in, in a number of ways. I know there's more uh, NFL games, but just that it feels college football is, is really a, a year round kind of thing. Whereas the NFL, it does kind of die down at, at points. Yeah. Know? Cause recruiting yeah, as, as you know, yeah, it's all year round. It doesn't yep. stop. Like yeah. as soon as the season <laughs> finishes recruiting national signing day, and then you've got spring football as well. Whereas in the off season, yep. you do have that dead period yes. between the Super Bowl and the draft and between like mini camp training camp, like all that sort of time of year. So yeah, no, definitely right there. Yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah, and I just, I just, you know, I became a big Saints fan, and uh, and I was like, oh, okay, so and I was kind of learning more um, about the college football system, and um, I think it certainly, I, I found it, you know, when you watch your first couple of drafts as well, because you're obviously hearing about these players, their backgrounds, yeah. what colleges they went to, their accomplishments, and things like that. So that was another thing um, that just sort of um, added added to the interest of of college football. And at the same time as being a Saints fan, I just became fascinated by um, the state of Louisiana and just uh, as a place and just kind of how unique it is and just learning about a lot of the history um, of the state. And so I thought, okay, well, if I'm a Saints fan, you know, why don't I find a university that's that's in Louisiana? And um, do you not fancy the uh, raging Cajuns then? (laughs) I mean, uh, I, I like aspects about I mean, I think the name is amazing. Uh, the name is, is probably one of the coolest names in college football, if you ask me. Um, and I guess in a lot of ways, it's, it's kind of, well, it's certainly unique. I mean, there's a lot of like tigers, isn't there? And there's a lot of uh, uh, other kind of uh, animal mascots like that. But, um, and I just, yeah, I just loved the LSU colors, um, just learning about the history and tradition. Um, you know, it's a massive university. It certainly helps when you've got players in the NFL like Odell and Jarvis and, you know, those kind of high profile kind of names. And so I thought, sure, let's, let's, you know, start off with, with this university. And, um, and yeah, just very quickly, I just kind of, you know, my passion just kept growing and growing. Um, And, um, you know, I was just sort of, you know, just becoming as fascinated by LSU as I was and, and wanting to support the Saints. So um, that's sort of how things took off. And I sort of, I watched the tail end of the, oh God, what season was this? So it was, oh, when was this? 20, I want to say maybe 2017. Um, Cause they, yeah, because then the final bowl game, I think it was of that season. Well, it was against Notre Dame and they lost in the Citrus Bowl. Was that with um, Danny Etling at QB? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um... <laughs> the final year of Leonard Fournette or did he leave the year before? So Fournette was... Oh, God. I want to say the year before. Hmm. Yeah, I think it was the year before, yeah, wasn't it? Because yeah, then it was Pierre yeah, Geis. Yeah. Yes. Um. So, yeah, and then from that point onwards, like, oh, after watching um, that bowl game against Notre Dame, I was like, you know, I want to be completely locked in um, with LSU. And uh, so the 2018 season was where sort of my fandom for, that, for the university really started growing. And, um, yeah. uh, you know, I remember having a great experience watching uh, the, the opening game of the 2018 season when LSU played Miami um, at Jerry World. That was just such, I mean, it was a great game for LSU. They played very well and, and thrashed the Hurricanes. But, um 
yeah and it was just yeah as I say it, it sort of it's one of those things where my fandom for LSU and along with the Saints has just sort of grown sort of out of control I mean um, I can tell from the backdrop behind you like for everyone yeah. who watches every given Saturday they'll they'll know Yes, two LSU jerseys, a massive yeah. tiger eye background, a few pennants. Yeah, <laughs> look as well. It's a, it's quite the background. It's a, it's an impressive one. I love it. Thank you very much. And yeah, I, I mean, I just yeah, I live for it. I, I don't miss any LSU games. Um, you know, I don't care if, the, you know, one of their games is kicking off at one or two a.m. in the UK. I'm I'm gonna watch it. Um, it uh, yeah, it it really is a big thing for me, and it's. It's kind of funny. I think it annoys my friends quite a bit because come sort of college football season, you know, on a Saturday or something like that, they might want to be out or uh, want me to go and hang out with them and stuff. I'm like, sorry, guys, LSU's on a, you know, 1am or something. I'm going to watch this. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) But uh, yes. And um, yeah, that's sort of, yeah, I'm just so, so passionate about it. And I just live for it. Like I'm constantly just wanting to hear more about recruiting news, rosters, sort of developments, like the latest sort of intel and word on, you know, how how summer camp or something's going like that. Um, it's uh, yeah, it's really something that in, in some in some ways it sort of spiraled out of control. Yeah. And then on top of that, then on Sundays and you know if it's a Monday night game or Thursday night game, I've got the Saints. And so it's uh, yeah, I'm sort of American football crazy with a lot of it. I love but, it. Uh, oh, yeah, brilliant. <laughs> Yeah, I must admit, over the past season or so, I've sort of I've fallen backwards in terms of the progressions I made, like becoming being a Michigan fan because I got into it. I think it was the same season as you. Twenty eighteen was my first season watching Michigan. Sure, I remember yeah. watching. I think it was opening day. I think it was against Western Michigan, right, or Central Michigan, one of the t- those two schools, and just absolutely thumped them, obviously. But <laughs> yeah, just recent years, as Michigan has started to deteriorate, we've lost. I've never watched a win against Ohio State and I doubt I will for a long time. Like they haven't beaten them for ages. So it's, and it's, yeah. just, it's just getting, it's getting worse and worse because every year we say, Oh, we're going to beat Ohio State last year in our, um, in our gym, very impressive gym site. We um, put up a clock, a massive clock up on the wall. Like the one you have in like a, in a school exam hall, it, it would count sure, yeah. down the days until the Ohio State game. It's little reminders yeah. like that all around the campus of the hatred towards Ohio State and just the fact that we still can't beat them. Like this year now, we hired Mike Hart, a Michigan legend, as our running backs coach. We're now not allowed red drinks inside the Michigan building. No red <laughs> at all because of that. It's just wow. <laughs> horrible, horrible struggles as head coach and just the struggles of the program. It's just, I've, I watch probably more SEC football than I do Big Ten football these days just because it's a more exciting Sure, yeah, for me, and uh, less of a reminder of Michigan's woes. <laughs> sure, yeah, no, it's um, yeah, it's, it's funny that rivalry. I, I saw something on social media the other day, and it was um, I think Michigan's put a big sign up that says, "What are you doing to Today. beat Ohio State?" <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it it will happen at some point, no doubt. <laughs> um, but it yeah. does feel as just you know an observer on that on that rivalry it does feel like the gap is sort of widening every year um but uh i mean maybe not not to get your hopes up but if it is going to happen sometime soon maybe this would potentially be oh, the year on. i've been telling myself that for three years now. <laughs> it's just it hurts but i think 
if it were, if I was gonna have, if I had to put a year on it, I think it would either be this year or three years' time because we've got CJ Stroud in his first year. Sure, and he, yeah. he's going to be around for a couple of seasons at least. So, I mean, next year I'd expect him to hit his prime, and then perhaps declare or declare the year after. Yeah, but it's just it's it's incredibly tough for us because obviously we've got Cade McNamara at QB now. JJ McCarthy's coming as a freshman. Yeah, I doubt he'll start. We've got um. I've completely forgotten his name, but the Texas Tech transfer in at QB as well now. Um, oh, is it Slough? No. Yeah, no. I know who you mean, though. Yes. Yeah, we've got yes. the transfer at Texas Tech transfer in. I. We basically just need to find them in a year where they don't have a good QB, where they have a QB who can't really run the offense well. But the way yeah. Ryan Day ran things last year, I think anyone could run that offense, to be honest with you. Sure. Yeah. Just, it's, a, it's a force to be reckoned with. And, um, yeah, it's just it's a depressing sight to see, to be honest with you. Every single year, on a Saturday night, six p.m. or five p.m., <laughs> it's just I, I hate it. I hate it. It's an annual tradition that must stop. <laughs> yeah, I mean, kudos to sort of to to Fox and and the networks that that do show the game because they do do some amazing sort of hyping it up every year for it sort of to be a bit of a thrashing. Gus Johnson's um, voice is to do enough to hype every, anyone up though, isn't it? Oh yeah. Yeah, <laughs> the Ohio State University. I just love how um yeah Urban Meyer has to pretend to be um neutral now um when it comes to the rivalry. <laughs> oh yeah, no that that was that was quite funny when they had him on the on that the Fox sort of the morning get up show before the games and yeah uh... um, yeah anyway should we um I would like to just move things on a little bit towards the current state of college football because. You will be more, much more plugged into this than I am, but Arizona State, what's going on there? Can you just explain to the listeners the different rules about recruiting and the state of the situation in Arizona at the moment and the um, the breaches? Yeah, so it's um, from what I understand, it's it's still developing. Um, earlier in the week, um, or I should say last week, actually, uh, there was a number of kind of damning reports started kind of coming out about them uh, i saw it on twitter about that program and what it seems to sort of boil down to is that uh, there's there's quite a bit of evidence uh, there's receipts i think there's there's sort of screenshots of texts that have um, sort of been accumulated all this evidence of of high school prospects that have been taking illicit on-campus recruiting trips during the dead period um and for anyone that doesn't know what the dead period is it's basically where um, college football coaches can't have any in-person contact with um, high school recruits and they're not allowed to go and say, watch them in person at their high school on a Friday night or something like that. And the dead period had been extended as well because of how um, COVID has affected everything. And so, yeah, all this evidence has come out that, um, you know, they've been having, or well, they were having a bunch of recruits on campus when they, you know, at a time that they certainly shouldn't have been allowed to, to do yeah. that. Um, and it goes all the way up to the top. I mean, it's not just, you know, one, one or two staffers on the football program. It sounds like, um, you know, as well as more than sounds like there's evidence that Herm Edwards um, was actually meeting these recruits. And um, Ouch. yeah, it's, uh, it's certainly not a good look. Um, whether they're the only university that did this, you know, time's going to tell. And, uh, but so far, they're the only ones that have been caught out. Um, 
and the sort of the anonymous tip i guess that the ncaa was given a lot of people think it comes from a former staff member uh, at the arizona state program but uh yes it's certainly not a good look um particularly as well as as they were a, a football program that was hit so badly last year uh, like um a number of their games were cancelled because just a big portion of the team ended up having COVID. Yeah, they had a really bad situation. Yeah, they, I mean, they played four games. Um, it was, it was. Uh, I mean, I know the Pac-12 had their own issues with COVID and, and when the season started, but oh, the they Pac-12, certainly seemed to... Pac-12 handled it worse than anyone. Yes, they did. I don't like to be, the, you know, just like another... Um, name and face that's uh, you know talking bad and disrespecting the Pac-12, but they certainly did um, do a bad job of, of handling it. Um, and from what I understand, there's sort of potentially questions about um, whether any of this um, illicit uh, on-campus um, visits that were going on, whether there actually might be a link with COVID getting um, transmitted through that to then guys on the football team so they're they're now i think at this point it's kind of it's hard to prove but um but there's certainly been a lot of um uh, opinions on that particular matter which makes it even more serious uh and from what i gather and there seems to be sort of a the general consensus of this is that it's going to be very hard for pretty much the whole football department to keep their jobs after this and um, yeah. Herm Edwards included. So, so it's, um, they've yeah. violated the dead period uh, rules and regulations. And they've also inadvertently led to COVID cases on the Arizona state campus and affecting student athletes. Right. That's got to, that's got to lead to some serious penalty. Yes. From the NCAA. Like this will, they'll be banned from bubble games from the, for the next three seasons. At least I think that's pretty much a given. Yes. Yeah, that's um, yeah, that's what it looks like, and it's uh, it, it really couldn't come at a worse time for Arizona State. Yeah. Um, I I have them as a you know a top twenty five team. I they've got an excellent quarterback in Jaden Daniels. Yeah, um, they do. I believe that he was going to be you know one of those sort of Heisman dark horses, um, and uh, you know they just seem to be going in a really positive direction. You know, it's sort of um, you know. For a flip side, you know, in terms of a program with momentum, it's almost like if it happened to say the University of Arizona, um, they're at a point anyway at the moment where they're sort of um, rebuilding um, that football program. So if it had happened to them, it'd be like, okay, well, this might knock us back a couple of years, but we're not really in a win now kind of mode. Yeah, whereas Arizona Arizona State, on the other hand, they're looking to, well, they're looking to push forward and perhaps challenge yeah. for the Pac-12 championship I, I I really thought they had a shot um I, I could I could see them going nine and three ten and two with their schedule um you know they had some tough games uh, on there or they do have um yeah. you know Oregon are the USC um but I think if they were gonna um, really make a push that this was going to be that they were going to do it and I think they had a very good shot to do it yeah because realistically um, their only challenger for the Pac-12 South would be would be USC yes yeah it's just yeah. obviously USC have had the, they've got struggles of their own, but yeah, it looks like USC will be able to edge out for that South now after these these um, restrictions can be put on Arizona State. So 
I reckon bowl games three years minimum. There will be some sort of um, recruiting penalty put on them as well. Yeah, definitely. I'm not sure what the standard recruiting penalty is. Maybe less less scholarships. Allowed. Yeah, less scholarships. Yeah. Be it. less scholarships. Maybe less recruiting visits allowed. Probably a yeah, and it fine just, as well. Yeah, and then of course all the other universities on the West Coast and particularly the Pac-12 universities will be able to then do negative recruiting as well about about Arizona State. You know, they'll be able to, these other universities, the USC's of the world and the Oregon's of the world who Arizona State were doing a really good job on the recruiting trail of keeping up with and Herm Edwards and his staff were were plucking some some, some really good talented high school prospects out of, of, um, you know, the state of California they'll be able to say to these these kids, look, well, Arizona State, they're, they're going to have some serious issues potentially for the next couple of years. You know, they're not maybe going to be going to bowl games. They're yeah. going to have all sorts of scholarship issues. You know, no doubt there's going to be guys who are going to want to transfer now. Um, and, you know, schools can use that against them. So it's going to have, you know, quite a sustained effect on how they, they move forward with this. Yeah, I think Oregon are the big winners from this because we've already seen in recent years how they've managed to improve their recruiting base, especially in the state of California. They've managed to get kids to leave and not stay at home and go to prestigious schools like USC and UCLA. They've been going up north to Oregon. Yeah. Oh, yeah. With with Oregon picture as well now, that's going to increase even further. Yeah. Yeah. No, for sure. Yeah. Oregon has has owned the state of California. Um, I mean, USC were able to hang on to Corey Foreman in the last recruiting cycle, who yeah, was, was um, he was sort of seen as the number one player in the country, um, at least on 24-7 sports um, and their recruiting. But um, yeah, it's, uh, but then in the Pac-12, then does, you know, if Arizona State are going to be going backwards for a little while, does that then open up, you know, a place for someone like, uh, you know, the University of Washington, who not a lot of people are talking about, as we head into this this upcoming season, and certainly from the Pac-12 North, people are going to be talking about Oregon. But um, but I think the University of Washington have got a very good shot um, this year of making some noise in that conference. I think they're going to be very underrated. Uh, they've got a really big matchup against Michigan. I can't wait for that game. I'm really yeah, excited. that's going to be a great I love, one. Um, I love University of Washington. Like the stuff they do defensively, the, the looks that they throw out is just yes. different to any other. FBS school really and that's why I just love about watching it it's just different sort of odd fronts just stuff yeah you just don't see anywhere else yeah yeah no for sure um so yeah and as is the case whenever these kind of um violations happen or or scandals you know there's always gonna be another university that's gonna be ready to jump ahead of you as soon as you slip up and um yeah it's just it's a shame really because it felt like Arizona State, at least from from a neutral's uh, perspective, who it it felt like they were sort of becoming a good sort of feel good kind of college football story. The way that Herm Edwards was yeah. was was what he was doing positively with that program. It was and, more um, growth through recruiting rather than getting yeah. big name transfers to fill. Yeah, teams. exactly. And um, and a lot of kids were were buying into, you know. Um, sort of the pitch that he he was selling them and a lot of kids were fascinated by you know a very talented ex-NFL coach um, who's been around for a long time and um, it seemed like he was just gonna start really churning out some some talented players um, into the NFL so um, yeah it's just uh, it's a shame really but uh, one thing I did find fascinating with this is that 
and it's quite rare when these these sort of scandals or, or um, whether it's recruiting violations happen at least in this instance um, David Shaw the Stanford head coach he's actually come out and publicly commented about this the Notre Dame athletic directors come out and talked about this um, that just goes to show really the what's the best way of putting this that just sort of goes to show the um the sort of the seriousness i guess of of these um allegations and um it's it's just quite unusual when you have i mean yeah they're, they're rival universities and and you know there, there isn't really any friends in college football from one university to another but uh, normally there's that kind of um mutual respect or something wherever university maybe slips up or, or gets caught doing something they shouldn't be doing it's you know another university might sort of be keeping their head down and and just sort of you know observing from a distance yeah just in case that they're maybe not you know keeping everything um on on uh, the level that it should be at least in the eyes of the ncaa's but no quite a few people are coming out and sort of publicly voicing their opinions on on how arizona state's handled all this and, uh, you know, more of the news that's sort of breaking uh, about what they've actually done. Just so we're going to go a little bit further into recruiting now, just away from the Arizona State um, situation and talk about the news that came out today, actually, about the Supreme Court. Um, they uh, unanimously voted against the NCAA's restrictions on how students can use their name, image and likeness to profiteer and make money. So previously student athletes have not been able to make money through their affiliation to their university through using their own name, image, or likeness. So for example, or signing autographs, even on non-school memorabilia, just signing autographs of fans or, or selling their own autograph, they have not been allowed to do. But now they are allowed to use their name, image, and likeness to make money and profit like any other person in the US is entitled to. So how do you think this is going to impact the recruiting picture and where students end up wow that's a loaded question <laughs> it is a big question yeah yeah no it is no it's um because we were again we were sort of talking about this just briefly before we started this recording okay. um from my understanding it's a lot of um all the various states in america they're kind of moving at different paces um in terms of how they're approaching this uh, it's, I think it was Florida seemed to be sort of one of the, um, the leaders on this. Um, see, see those state leaders though, then it doesn't matter anymore because the NCAA president said today that he will take um, executive action to allow um, college athletes to profiteer from NIL, which is name image and likeness. Yes. So that is all the state um, legisl legislation now I think is irrelevant now because the NCAA have they finally they finally broken they finally um yes. on themselves which is very unlike them but I guess they've been forced to by the Supreme Court. Yeah, no, exactly. That that's a really good point because it's almost like they didn't want someone else to have to do this for them. Yeah, you know what I mean. It's kind of like the, the way things were progressing was that you know you're going to have lawmakers that would be deciding this and then it would get to the point where the NCAA just wouldn't have any saying it at all right to a degree yeah. and um and I, I wonder if you know it got to a stage where they didn't want to kind of be showing up with that and um you know they were like okay well you know we're going to be the ones that are going to make the decision just because it's going to make us look even worse 
than we already do on, on a number of these topics and uh, you know in relation to the whole debate on on whether college football players should should earn money uh, from their time at college and everything associated with uh, them being you know a player in a in a, in a program so um yes it's uh and as we were sort of saying you know will this um in in some respects kind of level the playing field a bit i mean what what's your your perspective on this I think it's the right thing to do, but I don't think it will level the playing field at all. Yeah. I think the only way you could look at it from the aspect it does level the playing field is it means that illicit bribery from schools like Georgia, which has been covered <laughs> up, and schools like Tennessee, yep. that's now not going to be a bigger, a bigger factor because students are allowed to profit and make money. Like maybe for the smaller student, smaller brand students, they could they could still take a bribery, but sure yeah but that's the way it doesn't look that, that's the way it would level the playing field but now if students are allowed to make money off their um nil that's just going to benefit the bigger schools even more the ohio states the georgias the alabamas the lsus michigan oklahoma all of these big brand football schools the, the historic football powerhouses are going to get richer and the poorer schools are going to they're going to struggle yeah that, that very well could end up happening. One thing that, that's interesting to me in, in how this ends up developing more is whether you're going to have players who, you know, they could end up, let's say, you know, instead of going to University of Georgia or, you know, maybe going to Tuscaloosa or, um, you know, maybe even Columbus, Ohio, you know, they, as, as we were sort of saying, those are their college towns and, you know, they, they live and die for, for football. But outside of the football, there's not a whole lot going on there, right? Yeah, no, um, I agree with you there. I, I just wonder if you're going to start seeing instances where there's going to be, you know, very talented um, high school recruits where they might go to what's deemed, at least at the moment, in being a smaller university than say these these big names um who, who've been dominating college football for the last you know a couple of years or you know for a, for a long time now and whether you would potentially be interested in maybe going to you know a university like georgia tech right i know that sounds like a really random name but yeah. georgia tech you know it's it's right in atlanta you know i mean that's you know it's a massive city in the states I just, I just kind of wonder if maybe going somewhere like that, you would be able to, with, with certainly with how the NIL thing is, is developing, whilst you're at college and, and they're building a, a good program at Georgia Tech at the moment, but whilst you're at college, maybe being able to, you know, being in a, in a city like Atlanta would give you a lot more media opportunities. Yeah. It, it would certainly certainly feels like it would give you a lot more opportunities to um, develop your, your, your name and your brand um, sort of side by side with your college football profile and your development as yeah, a college athlete and in the preparations for going to the NFL. Yeah. Cause I guess you would be a big fish in a small pond. So that would make you stand out a lot more. Whereas if you're just one of 10 five-star recruits going to Georgia or Ohio state, then, you're not going to necessarily stand out as much. Whereas, yeah, yeah, exactly. In this case, if you are 
the one guy at Georgia Tech, this big five star, this big name, then you're going to get all of the media focus. You're going to be able to sell a lot more merchandise and your, um, yeah. your NIL is going to be worth a lot more. Exactly, exactly. Um, and, uh, and, and you know, again, going back to somewhere like Atlanta, that's got, got a, uh, an ever-growing um, film and entertainment industry there. You know, so it is becoming a media hub. Um, yeah. And I just wonder if, you know, that's the kind of thing that college athletes are going to be looking towards um, instead of saying, let's just go to, you know, yes, you know, you could end up going to like a big SEC powerhouse um, or, or, or maybe, a, you know, an ACC team and, and go into a Clemson or something. But outside of the actual program, is there a lot to do there where you can further your brand? And uh, I just wonder if, if certainly some of these bigger cities would provide more opportunities um, that have got maybe at the moment sort of, um, and I don't mean this in a disrespectful way, but maybe universities that have got sort of a medium-sized program at the moment. So, um, yeah, I think that that's just a, it'll be really interesting to see how this all plays out. And, yeah, uh, the only downside of going to a smaller school like that, though, is that if you're a smaller school, generally the fan base is going to be a bit smaller which means there's going to be less demand for the goods you're supplying, which is essentially your NIL. That's the, that's the only downside. Yeah. Like if, if you can reach a national market, then you're going to be okay. But if it's like a local market and you can't break into that. So for example, mm. like we saw last season, like the past few seasons with Michigan state there, then um, their numbers of attendance has been going right down. And historically they've been a decent program, haven't they? Yes. But, yes. But now it's going downhill. Would people want to go there? Is there going to be the same branding opportunities? Whereas if they stay in state and go to Michigan, where you've got the Jordan brand, you've got yep. the city of Ann Arbor, you've got the big house. Those are all things that you'd maybe want your brand to be associated more. Sure, yeah. More with rather than like a, a, a stumbling and like struggling program like Michigan State. Although I do say that and they did beat us last year. But <laughs> they did, yeah. In the grand scheme of things, they are in a bit of a decline at the moment yes they are um yeah that was um they had such a weird season last year yeah i remember watching a bunch of their games and it was just one week you know a good good team would turn up and then the next week it would be like what is going on here it was it was very very bizarre i think a lot of a lot of the time when we were playing them we just shot ourselves in the foot and we we were just a bad football team last year yeah yeah, but none yeah. of the players on that pitch really stood out as being high quality players and future NFL talents or first round picks. But sure, yeah, they managed to struggle through and um, <laughs> win a few football games. But but yeah, I mean, but just quickly um, on the NIL thing, it's um, if if USC gets their um, their stuff together and um, Clay Helton is is able to start. Um, succeeding at least in the eyes of, of what people think he should be doing with that program and a number of the the talented players that he's, he's got, got there and he's has got the players for it that's the thing with USC. yeah i'm really high on them going into this season because of what they've been able to do in recruiting like yes their scheme is somewhat questionable during due to the fact they refuse to go under center even on like fourth and inches but <laughs> yeah he's got the tools but it but it's but it's kind of like that would be um certainly with the NIL and, and how that develops. I mean, you know, we're talking about this, we're talking about Los Angeles here. And, and, I, and I kind of think back to the days of, of Pete Carroll being at USC and how he made that sort of a, 
um, you know, a sexy program to sort of want to be a part of and yeah. to play for and to want to be a fan of. You know, it's it's sort of fascinating when you hear about how he turned around and, and made USC so successful, you know, during his time there. You know, he made the football players stars. He made people like Reggie Bush, um, you know, off, off the football field. They became, you know, household names in, in California. They became almost like movie stars um, in, in, in Los Angeles. And it's... Um, it just feels like if, if someone, maybe Clay Hilton isn't the guy for the job, but as a lot of people think, it just feels like you just need the right guy behind that. And not only is, does the program and its tradition and history and the incredible players that have gone through it sell itself, but certainly as we sort of start seeing the progression and development of college football and, you know, moving forward with, with players, um, potentially, you know, getting paid and, um, Getting, getting what they deserve in terms of their own brand and name um, um, and potentially moving on to, you know, the NFL ranks. It's, uh, it feels like that would be the university. They can get their stuff together that would just start dominating um, and really being able to compete with the Alabamas and the LSUs and the Ohio States and the Clemsons and, you know, even the Oregons, right? Um, yeah, they should, sort of, they should be they're... winning every year, shouldn't they? Yes, yeah. But um, so, yeah, that's just something that I think would be a fascinating program, sort of keeping an eye on moving forward. Um, but yeah. No, I, I definitely agree with, with, with what you're saying there. It's, um, it's an interesting topic to look at the whole USC situation because they've got Keaton Slovis mm. now. They've got what should be the answer, a quarterback. Yes. They've got, they've got pieces. They're starting to build pieces around him. They're building a better defense as well. Like they, They've recruited three of the top cornerbacks in this, this upcoming class. Mm. Damani Jackson committed. You've got um, Jaden Gold as well. Fabian Ross. You've got, th- you've got three high-quality players there from the yes. same position group. You've got just a stacked offense as well in terms of like the athletes as well. Yeah. We've seen how just even across the, across the board, the sort of athletes that they recruit. Yeah. like Guys like Jay Tefile, athletic defensive tackles. You've got the wide yeah. receivers like Brandon Ayuk, Nikhil Harry, they've just they've they've produced athletes, I think, and they've got speed, which is what should be fitting for the air raid scheme, which look they're looking to aim to run. So he's got all the pieces there, and that's what I don't understand. Yeah. As to why they're not succeeding. So maybe, maybe with this NIL that they can now benefit from. Yes. Definitely. Maybe this is gonna be the turning point into just maybe making them like a recruiting powerhouse like we haven't seen on the West coast before. Yeah, no, for sure. And, um, and yeah, you know, the, the players that you've just mentioned, that are already on the program. And then just imagine as well, if they were able to start hitting on a couple of the guys who have left California and gone to Oregon or who've, who've gone to, um, you know, like Eli Ricks, who went to LSU, um, you know, imagine him on the USC team or, or guys that have gone to Alabama. Or, or Clemson. I mean, just imagine if they just got a handful of those guys as well, threw that into the mix um, of what they've already got on campus and then with future recruiting cycles. It's, you know, they really should be a powerhouse again. Now, I, I mean, maybe it's an argument for a different day on, on whether Clay Helton is the guy. Um, yeah, a lot of there's, there's very dividing issue, opinions. Yeah. But uh, yes, it's, uh, this is going to be a massive season for them. Um, 
as you were saying, there's, there's, there's expectations. Um, if, Arista, if Arizona State are, are going to start falling behind, um, then there's no reason that they shouldn't be dominating the Pac-12 South. And, you know, yeah, keeping up with Oregon and, um, you know, being that, that West Coast, well, being that college football powerhouse again that they once were. And uh, yeah, it will be be a really interesting program to watch this season. Yeah, and of yeah. course we won't, we won't actually see the full impact of what the NCAA have decided today for two three years. Yes, really will we? Because it'll be in a few recruiting cycle. Next recruiting cycle will be when we see impacts in terms of commitments, yes. and then with those guys, it's normally in most cases it's going to be two years, one year at least until they actually play so that's already that's two or three years until we're going to see the impact so maybe we'll sit back here in, in a few years time and we'll be able to reflect on yes <laughs> what actually happened and whether it played an impact yeah no that'd be fascinating going back to this recording <laughs> yeah let's do it so <laughs> before we wrap this show up i've um i'm gonna throw you a bit of a curveball here i didn't tell you about this i want Thank you to pick me your top four for the final ap college football poll so what will be the playoff, the four, the final four that will make the college football playoffs next year. Wow! Oh, <laughs> okay. No, I, I like I like that you've done this. I like that you've done this. Uh, <laughs> oh God, um, this is going to be tough. And oh man, this really is because um, there's. One. It is because um, straight away my mind is thinking about a lot of the, the week one, the week two, the week three games. There's some massive matchups. Um, you know, you've got Clemson against Georgia. It's going to be a really big one. Um, obviously, Ohio State against Oregon, Oregon traveling to Columbus. Certainly with, with what we've been saying about Oregon and the program. And um, there, there does seem to be a, a growing um and sort of shared idea that potentially Oregon could sneak into the playoffs this season. So, you know, what? I'm going to, I'm going to put them at, I'll put them at four. Oregon at four. Yes. Oh, that's a, that's a big one that. I know. Uh, people aren't probably aren't going to be happy with me saying that. I'm, I'm not what... particularly happy with you saying that Alex of all is with you. <laughs> <laughs> the, the problem I, I have with Oregon is that every year, sort of like with Oklahoma, they always, find a way to slip up against someone that they should beat. Now talking about Oklahoma, um, if this isn't the year that Oklahoma are going to prove to everyone that they do deserve, you know, because there's been so much talk about Oklahoma over the last couple of years, certainly with how they've performed in the playoffs. Um, And I I, want to push aside the performance against LSU because you know it's sort of almost like the case with Bama last season it's like well you know no one was going to beat those two teams but um I'm tempted to put Oklahoma in at three but oh god yeah this is hard it's almost like you need to you need to see what one or two weeks first but uh but no so I can't do that um God, this really is tough. Um, 
Sorry if I'm taking my time with this. It's by okay. The way. It's okay. So who are you thinking as your like your options? You just throw some throw some schools at me. Okay. I don't believe enough in Georgia. I know a lot of a lot of people have been jumping on the on the bandwagon that they'll at least make the playoffs. I'm um, on it. I'm on that Georgia bandwagon. I I don't think they develop talent well enough whatsoever in comparison to the amount of five stars and high rated four stars that they recruit. No, that's definitely true. But I think the team that showed up with JT Daniels at QB was just absolutely ridiculous. And... Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, but the King thing is, they've George they've lost Pickens. Pickens, Pickens was their number one receiver. Um, yeah. He's, I mean, he went down. I think it was about a month ago. Was it with a torn ACL? Will uh, he not Jim... be able to recover down the stretch during the season though? Who's um? Yeah, that that's a good point because there's there there seem some people were sort of saying, oh, he might be back in time for for the season or like halfway through or something. Yeah. Other people were saying, obviously, it just comes down to his his recovery from it. Um. But at the same time, they've got Jermaine Burton, who's a talented receiver, going into his second year. They've recently got Arik Gilbert. Um, and everything that happened and went down with his time at LSU. I thought he was going to go back there at one point. Yeah. Well, yes. <laughs> I could get into a whole thing about that um, <laughs> and just the whole the, the process. But but he he might not even be ready to to make play on the field this year with some of the things um, that were sort of going on uh, off the field. But anyway, sorry, um, keeping on track. I'm going to, and I know I support them, I'm going to throw LSU out there um, purely because, and I was saying this uh, with Carter Bryant uh, when we did that interview, um, 10 and 2, I think, is is the bare minimum that they should be achieving this upcoming season with potentially a chance to go 11 and 1. Now, let's say that that loss is to Alabama, so then Alabama's going to the SEC championship, then you know it becomes a case of who are they going to then play from the East? Is it going to be a Georgia? Um, I really don't rate Florida going into this season at all. Um, I like Emory Jones, but I don't like the Florida program. Yeah, Emory Jones. I really liked what I saw of him when he came in in relief of Kyle Trask for like a few snaps a game, maybe a drive. I really yeah. liked what I saw from him as, a, as an athlete from a an athletic point of view like he has all the physical tools to be an incredible incredibly mobile starting qb with a rocket of an arm but we get to, yeah obviously we get to see a full season of him but i think oh, yeah takes. yeah and then what's that um, what's that florida defense going to look like you know last year they were well, i don't know what was going on half the time um they weren't great was... and obviously they, they've lost one of their top corners now marco wilson too who they're gonna have to replace <laughs> Yes, thank you very much, Marco Wilson. I thank him every day for that. But um, and I just think they've they've lost a lot of production. At, you know, not forgetting Trask, obviously the wide receivers they've lost as well. Um, you know, the the O liners has moved about a little bit. Um, yeah, they lost their left left tackle Stone Forsyth. They, yes, they did. Yeah. So. Team. Yeah. Um, but yeah, sorry. So, so I think you know an LSU team that let's say they did go eleven and one, it would be hard to keep them out of the playoffs. Yeah. Um, depending on obviously it, it is dependent on what's happening around the country with other programs. I mean, but that's the thing though. If an if an SEC team comes up with like a, a loss in their season, it's generally to another very very strong SEC team. Yeah, exactly. I mean, so let's say 
yeah, let's say that LSU loses a shootout, you know, against Alabama or something, but you know they they you know perform you know well win every other game, and let's say they keep they're like the closest team to Bama the whole season. I mean, it's going to be hard for a committee to say that's not the the fourth best team. Um, so you think Alabama is going to be one or one or two then? I I I really do. Uh, Alabama's going to have a great defense this year. It's going to be the best defense they've had in a couple of years. Um, I don't know if they're going to necessarily have the same pop that they had um, offensively. I mean, they're going to score points, um, yeah. but they're not going to look the same um, as they have the last couple of years. Um, no, absolutely not. Because obviously they lost Najee Harris. Yes. You lose Mac Jones, you lose Jalen Waddle, you lose yeah. Smith, you lose your tight end as well. Yeah, you lose some O linemen. Yes, it's gonna be. You lost three starting O linemen. The entire left side of that O line now is gone. Yeah, um, I mean, at the same. Yeah, that that said, they've they've obviously lost a lot, but then they're not gonna you know really skip a beat. I mean, they're still gonna be Alabama. Yeah, Saban's gonna Alabama. have them. There's no point ever doubting them. They'll they'll still probably win it all. Again. Yeah, let's be real here. I know that that's why I find it ridiculous when I see people who are doing their their preseason top 25 and they're not putting Alabama at one I mean you know as an LSU fan at the end of the day they are Alabama are the undisputed gold standard for you know keeping you know the program at such a high level year in and year out um yes Oklahoma might be a very good team this year but I'm seeing people's preseason top 25 and they're putting like Oklahoma at one no, I'm thinking until until Lincoln Riley and he's a, you know he's a great coach, he's an incredible coach, very talented and he's gonna you know have a very bright future. If, I certainly think if he goes on to the NFL, but until he can prove that he can actually beat the really top tier programs, um, and and that they could actually are gonna you know on tape. I mean it's great hearing a lot of things about Oklahoma that you know they're gonna have a very good defense this year in comparison to what they've had in the past, but. Until we actually see this, yeah, you know, I can't go ahead and put them at number one. I think it's, um, you know, it's it's a little crazy in that respect. I think um, if they get to number one, it'll be because of the really very weak Big Twelve competition that they're going to come up against. Yes. Like perhaps Steve Starkeesian's Texas team can upset them, but yeah, I'm not sure that's going to happen. Yes, um, and you'd have to have a little bit of craziness, I think, going on in in the SEC. Yeah. Um, for for someone like Oklahoma to, you know, at some point in the season potentially end up as, you know, number one. Yeah, they would have to be a two loss SEC team and that would be before the SEC championship game as well. Yeah, exactly. Um, now, Clemson is a team we haven't really talked about here in this scenario. And DJ Uyunglele, do we? Uh, yes. Do that, do now, yeah. Now, he looked fantastic against Notre Dame. Um, mm-hmm. He did also play against, oh, damn, who was it? I think he, he played another game as well and looked very good. Oh. He played, I think he played two games this year. I'll yeah, he did. In the, I, the the other team, I've, I've forgotten for the moment. But um, but yeah, Clemson Clemson are playing Georgia very early in the schedule. That yeah, is going to have such a big impact, whoever wins that, on sort of the way I think the rest of the season is going to play out. Um, I mean, let's say that Clemson wins this, uh, wins that game. You know, it it would it would certainly look like it would be very hard for for them to not make the playoffs after that, unless they just you know had a slip up against um, you know a North Carolina or a Florida State maybe. Um, but I think Florida State are still still you know about two years away from being able to 
yeah, to really the, challenge. The recruiting's them. definitely picked up, but yeah, we're letting it has, yeah, no impact. Of that. Yeah, and they've they've done a great job in the transfer portal as well. Uh, Mike Norvell has, but um, yeah, that's that's why it's it's so. <laughs> sorry, I'm, I'm taking such a long time on this, but it's okay. so hard thinking about this 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 fourteen playoff just because it's it's you know what's going to be the fallout from from a, a Georgia Clemson game. I mean, you know. And then it's going to come down to the score as well, how close it is. I mean, let's just say that Clemson turns up and blows, you know, Georgia out of the water and wins by three touchdowns. But then let's say that Georgia um, wins all their other games until they get to the SEC championship. And then, you know, what if it's like a, almost like a Florida situation last season where, you know, they, you know, they, they lost to a bad LSU team, but then kept it really close against Bama and, yeah. Um, but then earlier in the season, obviously, it lost to Texas A&M. I mean, it was a a weird situation. Like, so let's say the same thing sort of happens with Georgia, where they they end up like ten and two, and they get blown out early in the season against Clemson. But then against Bama, they lose like on a last second field goal or something. I mean, it's yeah, Tell you, you know, what, it, so it, it makes about, it so tough. Yeah, it is difficult too. How about I give you um, my top four as of right sure. now, and you can. Sure. Uh, to, to make yeah. it easy for yourself, you sort of you tell me how, where you would change it and which teams you would maybe swap around. Sure. Uh, and that, uh, I'll just quickly add, um, Ohio State. I would probably have as as my two um, yeah. at, at the moment. But but then again, they're playing Oregon, you know, aren't they? So if Oregon lose to Ohio State, they're not going to be able to make it in at four. But then yeah, I don't think I don't think Oregon have really a chance against Ohio State in that game. To be honest with you. Yeah, I think they're going to get absolutely blown out of the water. <laughs> I've, yeah, I, I think I'm just not a very big fan of the Oregon program in general in terms of the way they play football. Sure, re- recruiting wise, they're great, but the Mario Cristobal offense I think is very limited sure. and oversimplified in some ways. Yeah. Like, but part of the reason why myself and Slew were so low on Justin Herbert was because of the way he was limited in that um, Mario Cristobal offense. Like, it's a lot of swing passes, screens. Yeah. There wasn't a lot of downfield throws, and, and there aren't a lot of downfield throws in a lot of college football programs. But it's just the fact that it seemed very, very samey and very, yeah. very just. It w- it wasn't fun football to watch. Sure, that's, that, that's what it comes down to. So, my I've got a, I'll give you a, t- a top five because I just I can't decide out of these five <laughs> teams and on the order of them. But I know my okay. number one for sure will be Alabama because yeah. It's the Alabama Crimson Tide. You don't yeah. stop them. They will be number one at the end of the season. And yeah, I agree. there's nothing we can really do about it. <laughs> My number two is going to be Oklahoma. I think they're going to go undefeated this year as well. Right. Yeah. Depending. I sorry, I need to check their out of conference games at the start of the season, but I don't believe they've scheduled anyone that tough. Yeah. Well, the toughest. And and it's not saying a whole a whole lot. And uh, I do apologise if there's any Nebraska <laughs> fans out there, but they'd probably agree with me if they're being honest. Uh, the toughest out of uh, conference game is going to be against Nebraska. Ah, an old, um, an old that's, rivalry. Yeah, an old an old yeah an old rivalry there, and it's the fiftieth anniversary of um, the game of the century as well. Now this isn't going to be anything like that. I think uh, <laughs> Oklahoma are going to going to annihilate Nebraska. They will blow them out of the water. It'll be it'll be brutal. So yes, yeah. Number one, Bama. Number two, Oklahoma. Sure. Number three. So the, the this last these last three teams. So Georgia, Clemson, and Ohio State. I'm, I can't decide the order on because mm. 
Ohio State are likely to go undefeated. And if they do take a loss, it will be to it'll be a sloppy performance, essentially. It won't be like a big... Yeah, it'll be like an Iowa or someone, maybe. Yeah, I need to I need to see if they if they, if they play Indiana this year, I think that'll be the best chance they have at losing a game. Sure. So I need to, I need to I'm just gonna check that quickly before I go any further because I think okay. that's quite a big part of yeah the prediction. Um, <laughs> or or a... Well, maybe a Wisconsin. Yeah, with Jack Cohn. Yeah. Yeah. So, right. So they yeah they they play in um in October. So I right. think Ohio State will have a two loss season, one or two loss season. I think they're going to fit in. Wow. Okay. I can't decide. This is going to be impossible. I think <laughs> whoever gets left out of this top five is going to get incredibly unlucky. And I think just because. Of numbers reasons and just because they're going they will take probably more losses in fact yeah i'm gonna have to leave out georgia okay they will be at five but i do think they could they could be any of these teams on this list yeah okay yeah that's yeah so number three clemson weak sure. conference little opposition they should walk through yeah. it's the playoffs yeah you see um, i have i have clemson losing to, to north carolina this year um, I, I really believe that 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 could happen. Um, I, yeah, I see a situation where they they beat they beat Georgia, uh, but then lose to North Carolina. I think North Carolina lost too much production offensively. I know, I know they've still got Howell at QB, but you, you lose Newsom, you lose yeah. Brown, you lose Carter, yeah, you lose Williams true. as well. Like I don't see how you can recover from that and take down yeah a program like Clemson who just year in year out are just completely outstanding yeah they can have a great defense as well this year Clemson yeah that's what I mean they've mm. they're a complete yeah, they, they, they have a complete monopoly over that conference they will always always win that conference yeah unless UNC and can somehow rejuvenate their program within the next like four or five years or so but <laughs> yeah and then that leaves Ohio State at four and I think maybe two losses was a bit harsh I think they'll have a one loss season Putting them in at number four. Clem- I think Georgia, even with two losses, is better than a one-loss Ohio State purely because of the SEC competition sure. and the competence of JT Daniels at QB over um over Stroud. So that yeah, that's going to be my top four. Yeah, no, that that's that's a good point. Um, especially as you say, if, if it's the losses against um, a Clemson, you know, if if that Georgia loss is against Clemson, then maybe they lose to Bama, but it's really close. You know, yeah, I think Georgia, yeah, the Georgia Bama game will be one of the games of the season for sure. Yes, well, yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, okay, yeah, that's given me a bit more confidence then with mine. Um, so I'm gonna go Bama at one. Okay, I like that. Uh, <laughs> I'm actually gonna say that Ohio State win all of their games, yeah. Um, so I'm gonna have them at two. Um, Again, it's going to be fascinating to see what happens against Oregon. I'm, I'm, yeah. After hearing what you were saying about Oklahoma, I'm starting to to come around to them a bit more. I think a lot of, and they're a great story, at Iowa State, but I think a lot of people are really pumping that one up a little bit too much. Too much as we head much. into the season. Yeah, like he's doing an incredible job there, Matt Campbell. I think he's going to have some very successful seasons there. I just wonder if, you know, it's really picking up steam like, oh, wow, you know, this Iowa State team, you know, maybe some people think they might even go undefeated. And 
I just I just don't see that happening. Um, but uh, yes, okay, yeah, Oklahoma. Then Big Twelve Championship game, they should make it in. But yes, will they beat Oklahoma? Will I mean they had such a good shot last year of doing it, didn't they? And it just didn't click. Um, yeah, but yeah, I'll go. I'll go Oklahoma then at three, and then who's the fourth going to be? Part of me wants to say. Part of me wants to say LSU at four. You can't say LSU at four, surely. No, I know, but but they're not better than Georgia. They're not better than Alabama. Well, sorry. They're not better than they're not better than Georgia, I don't think, in terms of like beating them out to that four spot. Uh, the thing is with with Georgia, and and certainly with Kirby, what we've seen, and, and I know this is this is um, a point that a lot of people like to, um, you know, argue back at, but so and it's sort of like with Lincoln Riley, it's where's the signature win that Kirby's had so far? Where's the big the big a win against a big program that he's had. I know they were really close. Don't get me wrong. If it hadn't been for Tua and Alabama winning, you know, the last seconds, you know, Kirby would have yeah. a national championship at this point. But I, I just like the matchup. Um, thinking it out now, um, you know, if you put LSU uh, and Georgia on the field against one another, uh, LSU is going to have a great offense this year. Defense were going to be so much better than last year, but okay, I'm I'm gonna no, I won't be biased to LSU. I won't be, because um, <laughs> yeah, because that, that would yeah. It's easy to be in your kind of setup right now when you're just surrounded by LSU twenty four seven. Yeah, no, it is, it is. No, okay, no, Alex, let's yeah, let's <laughs> <laughs> let's yeah, let's take LSU out of, out of consideration. Um, I mean, yeah, I could I could see them finishing sort of in that six to seven range or something, you know, but yeah. Um, so who's my fourth spot going to be? So, okay. So I've got Bama, Ohio state, Oklahoma. Clemson. No, you put Oklahoma at three. Clemson. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Oklahoma at three, I guess Clemson at four and I'm going to have them at four with one loss. Um, I'm going to stand by what I said earlier and say that loss will be against North Carolina. I'm looking forward to that game now. I want to see this. Yeah, I'm just excited. I mean, they had such a great game a couple of years ago. I mean, North Carolina nearly won it. Um, you know, this is this is a money year for Sam Howell, isn't it? Um, this is certainly he's going to be a, a Heisman, uh, you know, preseason sort of candidate for that. There's going to be a lot of hype. He he's going to be the, you know, maybe the the top dog in terms of quarterbacks in the in the ACC. Um, obviously, I know you've got the Clemson quarterback as well, but I'm just talking about how he's got a little bit more experience. Um, and obviously, this is going to be such a big year for him then heading yeah. into the NFL. He'll probably be like the poster boy of college football this year, the way that, and just the the, the big name QB prospect, similar to how Justin Herbert was a year before he got to her. Exactly. Yeah. Guys like that. He's going to be the focus of this season. Yeah. Him and Spencer Rattler, for sure. Yeah. Those two guys. Um, both playing air raid style offenses as well. Yes. Yeah, exactly. So it's, um, yeah, it's going to be really interesting sort of seeing the end of year comparison between those two guys um, and seeing what their achievements and accomplishments were. But uh, yeah. Okay. So I'll, I'll go Bama, um, Ohio State, Oklahoma, 
and Clemson. Um, I'm trying to remember where the bowl game is going to be played, where the playoff games are going to be this year. Um, so last year we had, what was it, Rose Bowl and... Um, Citrus Bowl, was it? No, uh, it was the Rose Bowl and... Uh, oh, was it Rose Bowl and the Cotton Bowl, I think? Oh, no, no. Yeah, I think it was the Cotton Bowl. No, I think you're right there. Rose yeah. Bowl, Cotton Bowl. Yeah. On that note of bowl games, quickly, have you heard that the um, the LA Bowl that is now being renamed the uh, the Jimmy Kimmel Bowl? I did. I, yeah, I saw that on Instagram. <laughs> the first ever bowl game to be named after a person. Wow. Wait, there you go. I know. That's, um, yeah. It'd be interesting to see the power of marketing and uh, and whether that <laughs> whether that entices more fans to, to, to go and see that. I, I, didn't, I didn't see... Uh, what the potential um, conference matchup that's going to be? Oh, it's not a good one. I think it's like the second Pac-12 team and the fifth best. Um, it might be Mountain the West, or oh, really? It's it's not a big, it's not a big conference. It's one of the, it's one of the minor conferences. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. One of those group of five ones. Okay. Yeah, I mean, is Jimmy Kimmel even a college football fan? I mean, maybe he is. Maybe he loves it. But um, no, no, I think it's more um, the LA marketing opportunity. More yeah, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. So, out of your top four, so obviously you're going to have Bama and Clemson matching up, Ohio State and Oklahoma matching up. Yeah, big. Yeah, that will be. I mean, if if Lincoln Riley's going to just looking at it right now, if Lincoln Riley's going to win his first playoff game. An Oklahoma and Ohio State matchup. Certainly, looking at it now, with certainly some of the production that Ohio State has lost, you'd you'd probably be pretty happy, you know. Just you know, if the game was happening tomorrow, um, heading into that, I think if you're an Oklahoma fan, yeah, you got to look at um, Ohio State's wide receiver core though, with Garrett Wilson. You got um, oh god, yeah, that's Smith, true. Smith and Jigba, the other receiver there. Yes, he's he's incredibly talented. Yeah, that's, course, that's scary. Chris Alave still back somehow yep. as well. So, yeah, and again, like he's an, he's another player. This is going to be a money year for him. Yeah, you know, is he going to maybe be the uh, the number one receiver taken uh, next year's NFL draft? But um, yeah, I, I think yeah, if you're Oklahoma, I, I would say right now you'd probably want um, Ohio State instead of maybe a Clemson or a Bama. Yeah. I'm with you there. <laughs> Right, I reckon we should wrap wrap things up now for today. Thank you so much for coming on, and um, I'll be tuning in next week for your podcast. Everyone else should be doing exactly the same. We'll provide <laughs> links for it on our Twitter as we did last week. I'll add, it, I'll add it to the link tree later on, so you can go into our Instagram bio, click the link straight to Alex's channel. Any given Saturday, um, what's what day will you be uploading next week? Hopefully Saturday. Saturday. There you go. Any given yes. Saturday on the Saturday. <laughs> Very fitting. Yeah. yeah. Looking forward to it. Thank you very much. Please check out any given Saturday. Um, I'm, I, I'm a, I just love college football and I just want to hear from as many people associated with college football as possible. And I really just want to, you know, be able to interview guests um, from, from, from all over, all over America, you know, different conferences, teams, people's backgrounds um, and just make it um, a weekly show that's just going to be able to provide a lot of fascinating stories and insights uh, into people's careers and some of their favorite moments in college football. Awesome. Well, we can't wait to see all the content you can produce in the future. 
But until then, if you're looking for more NFL college football, just drop back content in general. Be sure to check us out Thursday evening, 7.30pm for our weekly live stream. Make sure to turn on notifications on YouTube and Facebook so you don't miss that. And just for even more dropback content, we've got our website, thedropback.co.uk or .com, whichever you fancy. And be sure to give our socials a follow at the dropback on everything. So thank you very much for listening and we'll see you Thursday evening, people. The Dropback with Sam Lewis, Matt Burns-Peak, Joe Costanzo and Sam Wilson. now because I've got a, I've started a full-time job